You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 79 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Tim Takis, Certified Elder Law attorney and partner at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Joining me today is fellow partner and certified elder law attorney, Barbara McGinnis. Welcome, Barbara. Welcome. Thanks. So today we are talking about how a trust ends or how a trust is terminated. So first, Barb, why don't we just sort of define terms as what is a trust just in 30 seconds, maybe? A trust is uh, a legal entity. It is a way of holding and managing assets for the benefit of someone else or for someone, uh, usually. Okay. So, and, you know, so without belaboring the point, we know that there are trusts that are set up like during someone's lifetime. And then there are trusts that are set up, like say maybe in somebody's will for the benefit of another. I'm not sure it matters so much about the topic here, but so let's talk a little bit about um, uh, about okay when we have a trust that's been set up, you know, and the trust is what we call funded. Now what happens? Well, the, a trust is designed to fulfill a purpose, and so ideally, then once that trust is created and funded, it's administered for quite some time, meaning that it's living its purpose. But at some point in time, that purpose is going to come to an end. Perhaps it's because um, the beneficiary has passed away and that is the terminating event. Maybe just it no longer serves a, the purpose it was intended for and we're ready to end or what we usually talk about is terminating a trust. Okay. So you, you mentioned a term there just a little bit earlier about that the trust is administered. Okay, so who administers the trust? Is that like a bank that does that or? or well, I happens? hope not. Or, I hope not. It's yeah. the trustee and okay. the trustee could be a bank officer or a bank trustee, a professional trustee, but usually that adds an expense to to the trust that for most of our families, it's just not necessary. Most of the time, the trustee is either the grantor themselves, um, the person that established the trust may also serve as the trustee. Oftentimes, that's the way a revocable trust is administered. Or if we're talking about an irrevocable trust, it's going to be someone different, but it's very likely to still be a family member um, that is willing to take the task on of managing the trust assets and administering them. That means that we're monitoring perhaps bank accounts and investment accounts, or maybe there's real estate and we're making sure that taxes and insurance get paid, gets paid for and that the property is adequately maintained. So a lot of times in all the ways that we have to manage or administer our assets as as individuals, 
that's the way a trustee then is managing for the benefit of someone else, these assets, tax returns getting filed and uh, bills being paid, expenses being paid. Right. Eventually right. all that's going to wrap up. Right. And so at some point, the trust, as you mentioned, will fulfill its intended purpose. You know, let's let's uh, let's use an example. Let's say a trust, you know, let's say a parent establishes or creates a trust for a child who has disabilities or special needs. Okay. So um, so there will be there'll there'll be assets in the trust that are going to be managed by a trustee. And let's say that another, let's say that the trustee is uh, an, a, a, a sibling, you know, or another family member. Okay, and so in a, in the situation like this, under what what common circumstances really would would occur that you know where the trust would act would actually end? It's not going to go on indefinitely, I think. Right, in, in that special needs circumstance, there's two very common ways that or events that would cause the trust to end. One would be that the beneficiary passed away. And so we no longer need the trust because the, the disabled beneficiary has passed. Or perhaps the trust assets have um, been exhausted. Okay. Maybe there was a, a small inheritance, $100,000. The person on disability lived for many years and that money was used to promote or enhance the quality of life in some other treatments or anything for the benefit of that person. But the money was exhausted. So basically, there's nothing left to do because there's nothing left in the trust. No assets left. There's nothing left to do in terms of no further distributions. Okay. But perhaps there might be some things that, just some paperwork things. You know, it's all about the paperwork. Uh, okay. Maybe your accountant needs to file a final tax return or close out the tax ID number related to the trust. Certainly, if you've exhausted trust assets, there's going to be a lot less to do than if you are talking about ending a trust that is still holding assets, because that often confuses our clients. How do we then do that final distribution? What mm -hmm. are all those steps? Okay, so let's first take maybe the simpler scenario where there's no money left or no assets left in the trust. Kind of walk us through a little bit about uh, you know, the steps that the trustee, which I assume it was the trustee that would need to take you know, to terminate that trust. I think it's it's kind of high level at, at that point. Mm -hmm. It might be calling the attorney just to let them know that the beneficiary disabled person has passed away if there's any government benefit programs that needed to be noticed. But for the trust itself, any uh, lingering debts or expenses of the trust should be paid, including any final tax returns. Um Closing out the trust, there is a, I think it's a good idea to make sure that the, that the IRS form to close that tax ID number is completed. That's just a simple form that your accountant could complete for you. And because you probably also need to notice or at least provide some sort of notice to the beneficiary that the trust 
has been exhausted. So in your example, sorry, you were asking about someone that was still living, but their trust funds had been exhausted. Notice them that the trust has been, um, the assets are exhausted and therefore the trustee is resigning and the trust is closing. Right. So, no, I'm done here. So it's the trust. Yeah. Trustee says I'm done. Okay. There's no more money in this, in this little bank. So we notify the IRS perhaps we, uh, we don't, we probably, we may file, file a final tax return for the trust if that's necessary. Right. You know, so we sort of close that out. Um, we notice uh, any public benefits programs if they're somehow involved in, you know, and how this trust got established or, or whatever, you know, and then um, the trustee, he does not have to go to court, I guess, or anything else like that. He just um, close, you know, closes his file and walks away. Right. I guess the only time I could think of court being involved would be if that beneficiary was also in a conservatorship. I think I'd notice the court in that instance, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. You know, when you start thinking about mostly it's like, who are the players that are involved here that sort of like either need to know or that it would be a courtesy for them to be noticed. Because sooner or later, somebody's going to go is likely if anybody that's likely to go looking and say, gee, I wonder what happened to John Smith's trust. Right. You know, those are the people that really should know. Uh, you know, that there is, you know, that the, you know, what happened to the trust assets. Um, and certainly, I think probably, you know, we actually we haven't even mentioned, you know, this category of persons is, you know, which we'll talk about in just a moment um, is somebody, I guess, let's say that the tr if the beneficiary of John Smith, uh, this, you know, the persons with disabilities, if he dies and there are still assets in the trust, then what happens to those remaining assets? Somebody probably has an interest in those assets and it could be John Smith's siblings or children or anybody else. Right. And I think that really does matter or, or how it's the type of trust the purpose of the trust, the type of trust, and what does the trust say? Yeah. So I think that's really where you go back to the very beginning is reading your trust document. It's going to tell you um, how and who this applies to when the trust ends, right? Mm -hmm. If it's a special needs trust, is there any uh, recoupment uh, allowed or reimbursement to the government that's owed? Sometimes right. yes, sometimes no. Right. Yeah. Um, or if there are remainder beneficiaries that are entitled to assets that are just you know, heirs at law, next of kin, family, mm -hmm. friends, right. charities. Sure. And, and how and, that gets distributed. Right. And they would probably need or they would probably they probably should be noticed that there is nothing left to do because the trust has basically paid out paid out. Right. Okay, so let's talk about the let's talk about the beneficiary who dies. What happens then? Benefici a lot of the same things, right? A lot of the same things. So the beneficiary that passes away, I guess the the primary difference here is the assumption that there's still assets in the name of the trust. Now, if the beneficiary, the trustee, in consultation with the attorney, you know, the first decision is 
does the trust terminate or is it perpetual? Does it go on now for remainder beneficiaries where we just keep right on managing these assets, but we're just making um, distributions to a different set of beneficiaries, perhaps. Most likely it's going to terminate. Most of the trusts that we work with are going to terminate. And at that point in time, a lot of the same things, making sure all debts and expenses of the trust have been paid, including taxes, which means you really have to talk to your accountant. Um, your accountant can decide what forms need to be filed at that point in time. An accounting is often due these remainder beneficiaries, meaning some sort of what, depending on how formal you want it to be, but some sort of status report, what's there, what's been spent, what's left, and when can these remainder beneficiaries reasonably expect final distributions to start being made. People often get very frustrated, uh, or remainder beneficiaries also often get frustrated with the trustee, thinking they're dragging their feet, when in truth, sometimes it takes a bit to wind this stuff up. Um, The accountant's may or may not be, um, you know, may take several months for these final accountings to be prepared and tax reports to be made to determine whether or not there's any taxes due. Of course, you don't have to wait until you make a final, final distribution. You can make partial distributions to keep everybody happy. Yeah. And I would say probably there would be, I can think of one instance where you really maybe would not make final distributions. You know, and that is if a court is involved. Absolutely. You wouldn't make final distributions without court approval. Right. And um, that would also take um, more time. If real estate's involved in preparing the home, Uh, what might have been a home or rental property or whatever for sale, if it's going to be sold uh, in the trust and proceeds distributed, doesn't have to. You can distribute out real estate. It can be owned by multiple people. And sometimes that it may be better from a tax standpoint to, to do that, even though it sounds more convenient to let the trust and the trustee sell the property. Mm-hmm. Lots to be to take into consideration, I suppose. Right. And I think ultimately, I think your your point is a good one, or at least basically is, is you know, go back to the founding document. You know, what does it say? Does it say that if there's anything left in the trust, uh, do does does all the trust property say maybe need to be sold or liquidated or held or I mean, who knows what, whatever it is, right? You know, because that's what you got to have. To, that's what you're going to be following. Exactly. And it may be that the attorney's role is just to remind the trustee of those uh, purposes and intents of the grantor and help them understand the language of the trust for terminating. Uh, where actually the work is still going to be done by the trustee. Mm-hmm. It's just these uh, other advisors may have input. Eventually, the trust is going to get wrapped up. Uh, you may want some a final distribution letter to be sent out to um, these remainder beneficiaries or some sort of form acknowledging receipt of distributions and that there are, whether there are or 
are not any additional money. Say you've just made a partial distribution, you're with your the trustee is holding money for those final expenses and taxes. Maybe they've overheld and now there is another distribution. So some chain of communication so that you can show that your beneficiary your remainder beneficiaries have been kept up to date in what's going on. That usually goes a long way in keeping everybody uh, in the loop, sort of happy with with what things, how things are going. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, I wouldn't automatically just shred all those documents once you got done with them. I'd hold yeah. on to those records for future reference. Yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Somewhere down the roads, you don't want you don't want somebody showing up. Uh, you know, a, a relative or other family member that you never had any contact with, but would say. Well, what happened to my daddy's share? I thought exactly. he was supposed to get something. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, here's another question. It doesn't come up very often, I don't suppose. But what if something was titled into the name of the trust, the trustees managing it, and you, the grantor, change your mind? You're not dead. You don't mm-hmm. want to rat- end your trust but you just want that asset back out of the trust in your own name. Can you do it? Well, I th- we still have to get back to the terms of the trust. Does it authorize you to do that? So for let's say, for instance, you've put a piece of, like say, land into the trust and, as the grantor, and you're going as, you know, maybe that's not the right piece of property I should have put in. You know, can I can I take it out and can I put this other piece of property in? Now, maybe that is a, because essentially what you you would be doing there would be, you know, you, you, you approach the trustee and say, well, I've got a $10,000 piece of property here that's in the trust. And I've got another $10,000 piece of property out of the trust. You know, can I, can we trade, you know, and I suppose the trustee could do that. Trustee would have authority because it's literally, you know, we're not diminishing or reducing the term, the the assets in the trust. But if the but if the trust, if the grantor says, you know, I really, I really would rather keep that ten thousand dollar property for myself. I don't know why I put it in there anyway. Then I think under those circumstances, you're going to get, you're going to have to get some sort of consent, you know, from not only the trustee but any of the beneficiaries of the trust. Unless it's a revocable trust. Right. Yeah, that's a whole different kettle of yeah. fish there. Mm-hmm. But if it's an irrevocable trust, then. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, we have yeah. to think yeah. about how, how do we do or undo that. Yeah. yeah, Tennessee is a pretty trust friendly state that basically Tennessee uh, allows uh, for trust for for trust to be have what are called like non-judicial terminations or modifications, which is a lawyer's fancy word for basically saying is, you know, in the, usually you, if you've got an irrevocable trust, you have to go to a court to get court approval to make changes to the terms or whatever. You know, sometimes, you know, I think the legislature and that's sort of the modern movement here is, is that, you know, there's a sense that, well, why do, why do you have to go to court when everybody agrees that this trust no longer serves its purpose? Or, or whatever, or whatever the whatever should be done with that trust. Some cases, you know, you still have to go to court. 
uh, in other cases, if all the parties agree and we're not violating any public policy or whatever, you know, then you can just just have a non-judicial termination. So, and all the parties would be the grantor, the trustee, uh, living beneficiaries, and remainder beneficiaries. I would say to be on the safe side, probably yes. So at least ascertainable remainder beneficiaries. Right. Yeah. And, and then you want all that consent in writing. Yes. That mm-hmm. definitely sounds like a job that's going to come back to the law office to, right. to figure all that out. You know, but unless it, yeah, but unless it's going to be maybe literally cheaper to go to court, but even going to court, you have to you notice, have to notice all, all those people. Yeah, exactly. And then they have, they can, then they're going to be calling your, you know, calling you or your office and say, do I need to hire a lawyer? You know, and then it gets, you know, the, the, the expenses, you know, accelerate very quickly. So we have spent, several minutes, I don't know exactly how long, 20 minutes talking about how a trust uh, would be ended or terminated. But you can kind of sum it up and say you do all the steps that you did to create and uh, get the tax ID number and fund. You just sort of do it all in reverse. Now Mm -hmm. it's just You know, we're unfunding the trust by distributing Mm -hmm. out to remainder beneficiaries if there's still assets there. Different assets would be transferred in different methods. Uh, If we're talking about real estate versus cash or an investment account or stocks, um, they might be sold. They don't have to be. And then just getting documentation, proving that you made the distribution to the the right amount to the right people. And then actually closing it up, resigning as trustee, terminating your tax ID number, finalizing expenses, and just putting it all to bed. There it is. All right. Well, thanks for talking through that with me. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to Take Us McGinnis uh, podcast, Aging Starts Now. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm that helps families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 